Welcome to No Man's Land, brought to you by Tennis Zone Plus, Washington, D.C.'s premier tennis retailer. What's up, guys? Welcome into No Man's Land Tennis Podcast this week. This is Cole. Freddie and I sat down earlier with Dennis Kudla. He's our guest this week. Awesome chat. Uh, he's world number 114, coming off a huge win. He won the tournament uh, in Kerry, the challenger. Uh, just got married, and he called us called in from... Uh, Georgia, I think. I don't know. I can't remember. You have to check it out on the interview. Also, talks to us about what it's like playing Djokovic on a hard court versus Federer on a grass court. Um, gives a, gives his take on tennis today and the state of tennis in America. So, give it a listen. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on YouTube, Twitter, and enjoy. Oh man, how's how's married life? Married life is good. Very good. Um, I mean, I've been asked that question a couple times, but you know, not, not much has changed. So we felt like we were married already for a while. But it was, uh, it's been good, especially the wedding went perfect and just being, um, feeling like it's really never ending. So it's fun to like constantly celebrate something, but it has been a lot of drinking that needs to stop. <laughs> but uh, other than that, it's been, it's been great. I was I was planning a wedding and still playing tennis. Uh, I mean, I wish I wish I could tell you how planning a wedding was. I didn't do much. Um, <laughs> um, it was I guess it was a little bit stressful from point knowing that other people were stressed about it. But once it was all done, it definitely felt good. I mean, you feel like the uh, you're like center of the universe. Your ego gets pretty big for that day. <laughs> well, is, you, I feel like it should be. You weren't choosing the color flowers or anything like that? No, I was absolutely banned from that. They asked, right, Tyler, you asked maybe what I, what I thought, but it was going to be vetoed. Anyways. <laughs> uh, tra- I mean, it translated, right? Congrats yeah. on the love down there in Cary. Thank you. I was hoping that I'd either go in the category of guys that play really well when they get married or start playing really bad. So luckily I was on the uh, – really good side <laughs> Got lucky. that tournament i watched some of that tournament i watched i watched fratangelo and jack sock play a tiebreaker in the first set that went like yeah that was a pretty epic match i actually wasn't there i was one of the few times i wasn't really watching somebody like that but uh yeah i heard that level was pretty insane yeah i showed up ready which which i was actually constantly impressed I and mean, it was the same thing with like french open guys are way better than we would think they're going to be, especially not playing for so long. Yeah. How, how was playing like U.S. Open and French Open this year with all the COVID stuff? Um, yeah, I mean, it's different, obviously, not having fans there. Yeah. Uh, kind of took the adrenaline away, but U.S. Open, I mean, I, I, they sped up the course like crazy. So a lot of people were uncomfortable with it. But at the same time, it was kind of cool having the whole site to ourselves. Yeah. I mean, every single inch of it, we had gyms everywhere. I mean, our lounge was the whole ground. So it actually made it uh, made it pretty fun. French Open, not really my favorite tournament. But that was, uh, that was okay. <laughs> what, you, don't, you don't like the dirt or you don't like Paris? Uh, no, I don't like the dirt too much. Uh, I mean, French Open's still cool, but... It's it's just not not for me, but I will. Um, that is the last main draw slam I, I've yet to win a match, so 
I will be working hard to try to make a run there at some point. I mean, historically, you're just it's 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 a you know your your record's best on uh in, on the grass, right? I mean, yeah, it's your best slam. Yeah, the faster services, but as I've gotten older, uh, I have enjoyed slower services more and more. Right. Which, when I was younger, I never thought made sense. But now, as I'm getting older, you just need a little bit of extra time. So a little, a little bit of endurance isn't going to hurt anybody. But uh, the speed and everything, like everyone's ball so hard. So it's good to uh, get that extra little second. Yeah, and you you say you're getting older, but you're only what twenty eight. Like, <laughs> yeah, I've been on tour for twelve years though, so it's uh, I feel like <laughs> that. Uh, no, I you can say you're old once you're thirty. I feel like on tour, I'm still right now in that, in that entering my prime uh, for the next four or five years. So I'm trying to maximize whatever I can. Yeah, I mean that's knowledge. Yeah, you had you said like you you're looking you're trying to push top thirty soon and like what a lot of people realize is or they don't realize is like people's prime in tennis seems to be getting later and later these days and so like you say you're old but I, to me the next three or four years are like are it exactly yeah. exactly so that's how I felt about it um, it's a big commitment um, which I'm ready for and. I didn't feel like I was ready for before. Uh, so being able to do that with, with the right mindset, I, I know my abilities. I've beaten a lot of guys that are already top 10, top 20, top 30 um, at some point in their careers. So if, if they can do it, I feel like I can as well. I just got to do it the right way. Commit I, mean, I was looking at some results today, and we got 1-0 against Zverev, and we got 1-0 against Tsitsipas. So, I mean, like, do these guys just, like – Yeah, no, exactly. Put the I mean, fear of God in these guys, they don't want to see you? Uh, yeah, so it's – it'd be a little bit different now. Tsitsipas, I actually always knew – I always wanted to play him. I think he's very predictable. Obviously, he's getting better and better, but I think a lot of guys just play him so wrong, uh, try to put through him. It's not easy, obviously, under a lot of pressure, but – um, I mean, he's just such an outside of the ball player. So he's so limited on certain things he can do, or it's a high risk. So obviously when he's on, it's very tough, but not, you can make him play into the places that you need him to play in. And then you just have to execute yourself. But his game style actually, I think matches really well with mine. So it's one of those matchups that doesn't really matter what the ranking is. I feel like I'd be pretty comfortable. Yeah. That's, that's so interesting because you don't – I don't know. I feel like a lot of fans don't realize, like, you guys probably do a lot of film and kind of, like, studying other guys' games because you're talking about he's predictable uh, and this. Like, how much goes into Access of that data and stuff, yeah, it's big. But not everybody does it. They should, absolutely. But um, you need to do it. It's just a big difference. Is, yeah. is there anybody else that you'd say – like, are there other guys that you're like, oh, this guy I, I'm a great matchup against? EFO. <laughs> yeah well that's here that's here yeah, exactly tfo is big for me um uh other top guys i mean i feel like catching off so it was good i only played him once but always practicing and stuff i felt like i could get on him he didn't bother me i was shocked i was really surprised how comfortable i was with monfils i know it was on grass i mean it could be a little bit different on different surfaces want to know baby <laughs> yeah, exactly. One now, that was big. Um, 
Yeah, that's all that comes to my mind from who I've who I've beaten. Uh, but then like guy like Manorino and like Kakushkin, like those guys are nightmares for me. Like I hate playing them. They have like these side spin because like I play with side spin, so trying to reverse their spin to do what I want to do, it's like almost they're doing <laughs> what I'm trying to do to them, just a little bit better. So yeah. it's always been uh, it's always been a little bit of a tricky matchup because like I can't. It's hard to just kind of play a solid game against them. So much of it is feel, and what you really can't teach. So it's it's one of, you have to just feel it, and if you don't, it's just a nightmare. So it's been a nightmare for me. <laughs> I was I was curious, what's a harder matchup, Federer on grass or or Djokovic on a hard? Uh, I'd probably see. Djokovic on hard because at least on grass doesn't matter like you, you can't stop like what's the toughest thing about grass is you can't stop someone from playing unbelievable so that's why a lot of these guys get upset on on that surface and not so much on like a hard court because a hard court you'll always you can always find a way somehow physically if you have the ability and your tennis to put the ball where you need to, to slow them down where on grass, like if a guy's hitting a spot, it just doesn't matter. It's just too fast. So playing well against Fed on Holly, which is like kind of shitty grass, it was um, it allowed me to you know stay with them and hold a little bit easier. While like Djokovic, he just felt like it was a war every single game, just to just to try to win it. Um, didn't really feel like he'd get too many holes. Like I was shocked how fast he was. Uh, both of those matches, I was pretty bad at converting break points. Um, I think his serve is heavily underrated. I think people uh, don't talk about it enough. Like when you actually play him, it's crazy on big points. He's just such a good spot server and sets up his one-two punch. And that's what those top guys do. It's all about that one-two punch and your serve. And it's showing guys that I'm going to hold pretty easily most of the time. And that puts pressure on other guys' serves. They start going for too much. And, and it just kind of dictates the momentum of the match. You, ha you haven't gotten the chance to match up against Nadal yet? No, no, never. I mean, he'd probably be the worst. <laughs> uh, I couldn't imagine. I mean, I love my backhand, but hitting him up here, like, yeah, would be pretty terrible. But, <laughs> uh, you know, we'll see. I, I mean, playing him at Roland Garros, that's one thing I never wanted to do. <laughs> then there, I was like, I would never want to do that. You're just absolutely going to get embarrassed. Uh, talk about a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, it's an absolute nightmare. No way. Oh, man. Do you have, um, like, growing up, did you – who was kind of your idol growing up? I, I know you're only a little bit younger than some of those guys, but maybe it was somebody older. Uh, so when I first started watching tennis, it was Agassi Sampras. Um, I always loved Agassi. Uh, loved Safin. Just kind of like – I feel like everybody loved those guys. Um, and then, I mean – those are my main idols, and Fed became my idol for a while. Um, so he's 10 years older than me. Yeah, so I got to watch the part of obviously, the beginning of his career was dominating. I just thought it was incredible. So he was definitely one of the most overwhelming guys that I played. Well, Djokovic, not so much for me. It was still like the moments were big. But playing Fed, like playing your hero, it, it, it's pretty crazy. So that was that was tough the first time I played him. I just couldn't settle mentally. I couldn't see the game. I, I felt like I was just literally hitting, swinging, and praying that it goes in. And I had no structure in my game whatsoever. But 
had to do a lot of mental work to get that on my head for the second time, which allowed me to almost win, but um, in playing close. So it was, it's different. It's weird playing those guys, but fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. You, Go ahead, buddy. Sorry. Well, when you, when you first, like, were – because, I don't know, like, I grew up, I'm – four or five years younger than you and so like you were kind of the guy around here like was there ever a thought of kind of college tennis and then once you kind of decided maybe no college tennis what was your like navigation through the beginning of pro tennis yeah I mean um I never I never thought about it until I was around 15 16 um and then I started thinking like okay um this decision is like coming up in the next few years I mean I was always training as if I was going to go pro, but based on how I felt against other players when I would play a challenger and get a wild card or even futures and realize how much bigger and stronger these guys are, I, I didn't think I could make it. I was like, well, I, I don't know if I'm going to make it, but am I really going to go to college right now? Like, this just sounds so weird because at the time, I still felt like a 15-16 college was not – looked at the way it is now where it's encouraged like people are encouraged to go and people are saying you know what like a lot of these guys primes are later like that was just starting right when I was like 15 or 16 so people were saying oh if you don't make it at like 23 24 there's an issue like it was old guys were just starting to do well so I was like okay <laughs> if I go to college like my career is over um but I wasn't sure. I, but then I wanted to go. I said, you know what? I want to go early um, for a year. I was trying to finish school by 17. I knew I could get on a team, uh, not necessarily play one, but just play on a team. Um, maybe middle of the lineup, go for a year, just guarantee the scholarship, and then go pro just purely for that reason. Um, so I, I was in love with going to Southern Cal. Um, yeah. And then we were going to go – I had two buddies on my team that were going to go there anyway. So um, – or they were going to be recruits with JT Sutherland and Raymond Sarmiento. So, like, that would be awesome if we were on the same team. Uh, but then uh, after I won Orange Bowl, I was offered a contract. And then I was like, okay, this is uh, something to think about. And yeah, and then we just kind of decided to go pro. I mean, I felt a little bit of the pressure to go because the contract was there. My parents were super supportive of it. Uh, my agent, my coach, uh, they were just, you know, they believed in me. And at the time, I was like, oh, wow, it's okay. We'll see. So I went pro and uh, actually regretted it for like two years, like two and a half years. Uh, I didn't think I could do it. didn't think I could make it. It was just too tough. I felt like I had to play the best tennis possible just to win challenger matches. And I knew that wasn't going to, that wasn't really going to help me uh, get to the level that I wanted to be at. Um, but I didn't realize how it's just so much consistency. There's a lot of losing you have to get used to how your ranking can be achieved in so many different ways and scheduling is so important. Um, so I didn't know that. So I was freaking out, panicking. But going back now, <laughs> knowing that I've made it, I'm fine with the decision. I was totally happy with it. Could I have gone to school? Absolutely. Uh, with my personality, though, I'd have to be at the right school or I would have gotten sucked into uh, 
the social part of that. I probably would have party too much. Um, <laughs> a lot of guys say they, I, I wouldn't, but I just know I, I would have like partied hard for like a year or two. And then maybe like junior, senior year. It all depends also who the senior would have been, how accountable they held me. Um, so looking back now, I would love to go UVA. UVA is definitely the school I, I, I'm, I'm the biggest fan of. Um, but yeah, it would have been interesting to see what happens. I, I still think I would have been all right. I think my development process would have taken a little bit longer. I remember my forehand at that age needed a lot of work and I don't think I could have gotten all that work in college uh, based on just how mental I was at the time, but I needed to be with the right coach in the right situation. Um, but I, I still encourage a bunch of people. I think 99.9% .9 of the guys who go to college. Um, there's so many guys out here on tour that shouldn't have gone pro, even with how good their juniors careers. It's like, go to college, prove yourself there. Uh, now it's a legitimate step to seeing if you're going to be a good pro or not. If you can't get in top five in college, top 10 in college, you're going to struggle out there on the pro tour pretty quick. So uh, prove you can prove yourself there pretty, pretty easily, then you're ready for it. So I still encourage college for everybody. What do you think of the state of the, the tennis in, in America right now? And do you think um, not great. Think uh, I, think, I think the problem is – there's a lot of problems, but um, one, <laughs> uh, one first argument is in a lot of other countries, these guys, the players, they're some of their best athletes. We're not the best athletes in America. Our best athletes are in the top four major sports. So, I mean, if you have those guys really, it was appealing to them to go play tennis, then yeah, I, We'd, we'd be number one. We would have every single guy in the top 20. I could promise you that. Uh, <clears throat> so that's that part. I and mean, I think the way tennis is run is like a business and stuff. Like it doesn't make it great for, you know, some of these top kids to even want to play tennis and really pursue the dream. I think we have a lot of options in our country, which makes people – maybe not fully come in because it's a brutal sport. It's very, very brutal. I think uh, a lot of people are like, wow, that's not too hard. You do this and do that. But when you, when you break it all down and all the variables of how much you travel, paying for everything, the stress of that, no guarantees, uh, the cutthroat of just the world, it, it's, it's a lot tougher than what people think. I mean, it has its reward. It's an incredible, incredible sport. Uh, I think it teaches you incredible life lessons. I still think it's the toughest sport in the world with every variable considered. Um, and if you can overcome this, I think it, it really gives you so many life lessons. Um, and then I think in American tennis as well, because of the options, I think there's a lot of ways out, a lot of cop-outs. A lot of people come up with excuses pretty quick because we – just want to be number one, number one, number one. And then if someone's not there ASAP because we want everything quick and fast, uh, they give up on it. And then it just goes to the next person, the next person, the next person. And it's just, there's no time built into doing things right and doing things right. And being hundred percent committed to it. So there's a lot of kind of once one foot in one foot out kind of work. Um, so that's, that's what I think. I mean, a lot of us are guilty of it. I know I am, but it's um, 
something I hope I can change. I can help change. The new generation can change and they're aware of it. But um, hmm. I mean, as our generations come up, not just in tennis, but just in society, I, mean, I don't know how much we have geniuses coming up. So <laughs> it's just me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, I mean, I think the culture needs to change, needs to go back. Um, a lot of things need to move around. I don't know exactly what, but um, there are people out there that want to help that need to be in positions to help. And it's just getting them into that position. I've never thought about it from the standpoint of the, the best athletes don't play tennis. Mm-hmm. I've, that's, that's super interesting. I've never looked at it that way. I just always thought it was, I mean, it was I super Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, at Saddlebrook, I train with other athletes in all these other sports and, a lot of them are like, I can't believe some of the stuff you do, but truly, I mean, I just think about right now, okay, like say you got like Julio Jones, LeBron, those guys play tennis. Yeah. And I, believe, <laughs> so I hear excuses of like 6'10", 6'11", 7 guys, oh, they don't move well. I'm like, look at the guys in the NBA that are yeah, averaging no. and those guys move unbelievable. It yeah. would be impossible to get through them on the court. And if they had the right technique and the power, it would be scary. Tennis would be absurd. Yeah. It'd be absurd. absurd. So, but why, why would you want to? Why would you want to turn down that money? <laughs> right, not sports, though. I know. But also, just the tennis needs to, I think, can be reinvented in a way where it makes it more appealing. Yeah. Do you have any ideas with that? Because we have our kind of separate thoughts on like how you can revamp the sport a little bit without changing it too much. Yeah, I think there's endless ideas, really. I think um, what Next Gen does is a great step forward, I think. You like the UTS stuff? Uh, that stuff's great. Yeah, I love it. I think it's really, really good. Yeah. Um, I think you can do certain formats in certain ways like that. Um, the problem is of just figuring out, like, a ranking system. So I always think, I mean, having, like, what golf does, why, why don't we copy golf's model? It's we could easily do that. Um, make smaller tournaments, more events, make it Thursday to Sunday. We do pro-ams on Tuesdays or like on Wednesdays. We get those two days off, get people involved with players more. And I think that could grow the sport. I think we're too, because we're such a selfish sport and there's takes so much into taking care of yourself and doing everything right. And it's, all day thing people just don't interact and, and people don't even know tennis players yeah so i mean i, I think a lot of tennis players are some of the weirdest people i've met uh, <laughs> yeah, but some weird weird people i think it could benefit, I think it could benefit both parties um uh, but yeah i mean it needs to be faster if you want to get younger generation i was gonna it. ask you that i was gonna say best of five to three but there we go the answer's there <laughs> <laughs> it's too slow. It's too long. Um, I mean, I love watching tennis, and I can't even watch some of these matches. <laughs> um, and if you don't understand it, like, why would you want to watch that? But then people say, what about baseball? But most people go to baseball games because they want to drink beer, eat hot dogs, and it's a great environment, all that stuff. But And, you know, depending on who your team is, I mean, you get a ticket for 10 bucks. So it's like tennis, not like that. It just doesn't work. And you can talk the whole time. It's a social thing. Tennis is too quiet. I think they need to take that out. Uh, I think it should be exactly what the major sports are. You should be able to scream, you suck, you do this, you do that. 
get fans involved, feel like they can make a difference. And I think that'll grow the game as well. Um, I know people say, oh, but you're by yourself, but why, why can guys in NBA, NHL, like, they hear it. They hear all that stuff. But you do it to a degree. Like if someone is saying some stuff that's over the line, you're like, okay, like enough. You can't say that. You get kicked out. But telling somebody <laughs> you suck or don't choke or do that, like she'd be totally fine. That's part of sports. Yeah. Um, being able to scream, uh, it should be no problem. Like sitting down, not move. Like, yeah, it's tough for us, but then you can adjust the way tarps are or how big a stadium is on the wall so we don't see anybody moving from the ball perspective um yeah my my argument i know like i know that that's a huge debate like make the get matches shorter for more tv and people can you know stomach that like length of a match but my argument is like kind of it's kind of it's definitely from like the outside looking in but like we had some historically just great tennis players in this country like we had Sampras, yeah. like all these guys, like Connors, like dude, the guy filled stadiums and he got people yeah. in front of the TV. It didn't matter for how long he was playing, like even Roddick, like, and it's not a knock at like the generation we have now because I mean, I mean, you're going to be, it's a guarantee. You're going to be top 30. You said it. And then we have like the, these young guys yeah. like, coming up. Right. So my argument is like, just give us somebody that's, that can compete in the top 10 for like a consistent amount of time and we'll watch it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think also in the States, um, I mean, even for the sake of tennis, you need an American up there because this is where all the TV and the world markets are. So, and Americans, just like in all these sports, we're just used to number one. If you're not number one, it doesn't really matter. So that's what all those generations were. We always had number ones. We always had Grand Slam champions. Now we don't. So Americans don't want to watch. They don't care because they're number one in some other sport and they're going to follow that. So to have someone there, like you just need that. But then it goes back to, okay, it's not our best athletes. Why don't we do this? And then it becomes this whole chain reaction. Now there's oh, for sure. a lot of issues and it needs to change. Um, so having an American player to get up there. It might be a short solution. Yeah. I mean like, okay. Yeah. And then so much goes back to the business of tennis, like how much you're making the like, why would a guy suffer to make all this money when, you know, he could put that energy to something else and maybe make five times as much doing it in some kind of business or whatever, if you have the right mindset, if you know the right people, like it, it just happens so much. I think there's so many guys that had the talent, wonder what would have happened if he would have stuck with tennis, but just had this genius brain and went somewhere else, went another direction, didn't like pursue it. Well, a lot of these other countries, there is no better option than being a tennis player. You know, the, the tennis, in, in the States, there are better options to be a tennis player. So I think yeah. that's also what's as appealing to the best players here. Yeah, it goes, goes back a little bit to what you said, like about interacting with the fans, because like you, all these other American sports fans, they know these guys or they meet them and it's like that sticks with them forever. And so a lot of these kids that maybe dropped tennis is because they didn't have anything that made them say, man, I, I love tennis, like this moment. And so I think having fans be able to kind of be in the sport a little more with the professionals and kind of have some sort of impact would then, would that, like what if Francis had, had gotten impacted by Michael Jordan at a young age and just was like, I'm going to go basketball, even though I mean, like, Fred, I mean, you ball boyed for, for, for Dennis at a, yeah, in Charlotte's. Yeah, in Charlotte's <laughs> 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 yeah. 
No, exactly. I mean, you never know. It's that, that stuff is true. I think if you do get involved in that sport, um, so much of it, you know, can, can impact these kids. And, I don't know. It's, they need to be involved more. Uh, the guys aren't going to like it. They're not going to get used to it. They're such introverts and just everything's about them. And you need to be selfish, but at the same time, like, you can grow this business of the game and, it's, and it's, everyone needs to be part of the process, unfortunately, because, or not unfortunately, but it should do it because if you just wait for someone else to do it for you, like, it's just not appealing. Like you take the bolt you take the mold of what, like what ATP is as a business and you took away sport and you put it next to another business or somehow people would probably laugh at what, what's going on. They'd be like, well, this is like the worst idea of all time, yeah. but it, it's not looked at like that. It just looked at a sport. We're fine. We're on TV. We do whatever. But what's happening in our sport right now is awful. It's awful. So I don't know. I, I don't want to. I don't want to shit on it too much. I mean, <laughs> but it is what it well, is. I mean, you got to deal with it. And it's still, I think that lessons it teaches you and what you can do. Yes, you can get to that point where you're totally fine and you do it for yourself. And if I get to 30 in the world, great career, boom, done. Is what it is. I help grow the game. Like I'll be totally fine. I'll never complain. But. Yeah. Um, it's just more for the growth of the game and the younger generation. I think so many guys are just getting robbed of opportunities of what they what they could be achieving from the sport and what they could get back to it and not have so much negative talk towards it and way more positive talk. So, so I should be sitting here saying how unbelievable everything is, but there's not enough to. So we're gonna have Dennis Kudla, USTA. Uh, <laughs> Well, what, do you, what do you have going on now? You, you going down to Australia? Uh, we're still waiting to hear what's going on. Uh, the tournament's approved, but players have not been approved to enter the country yet. So we're still waiting to hear what's going to happen. So as of now, it's um, it's just a waiting game. I mean, you guys are probably going to hear the same time we do on Twitter. So. <laughs> it's uh, uh that, that's just how it is so we just wait and see we're preparing for as if australia is going to happen um hopefully it happens but all you can do is just be ready for it so try to try to enjoy this time at home because once tournaments get going it's going to be pretty non-stop yeah it's, it's tough for the wife she's what she's just gonna watch you practice and play tennis <laughs> Yeah, right, Tyler? <laughs> because it's tough for the life. What did she do? Just going to watch you uh, practice all day? <laughs> I used to. Yeah, no, no, now she's okay. Now she's practice. Yeah. Look, we're closer to her parents now. She can see her family more. She's all right. She likes when I'm home, too. It doesn't matter what we're doing. So we're trying to enjoy this opportunity while we can. Because the amount of time I've been home this last year is more than my whole life. So. Uh, there was a lot of positives for me. What yeah. are the hobbies outside of tennis? What are you doing when she's not watching you practice? We cook a lot. Um, I got into mixology and stuff. Like I love trying to make cocktails and everything. Uh, then I slowed down because it's not a great habit. Um, <laughs> uh, and then that was pretty much it. We, we really just got into cooking, trying a bunch of stuff, being able to cook with of ingredients I typically wouldn't cook with or knew how to. Um, so learning about all that 
kind of get the creativity in it, was able to experiment, was able to kind of test things. And her, uh, my father-in-law now is um, really good with food and they've always been in the restaurant industry. So it was, it was cool to kind of see what his, some of his ideas and tips were and cooking for some of my friends and then seeing what they say. So it, it was cool. That's, that was kind of the biggest thing for me. I always wanted to be in the restaurant world somehow. <laughs> Obviously I know how tough it is and, that's my I that's thought I wanted to be a chef, but after, after watching everything about what chefs' lives really are, it just seems awful, but <laughs> uh, rewarding at the same time. So fun to do it at home and uh, get the quality up. We just want to be the best chefs we can in, a, in an average household. <laughs> that's, I'm, in, I'm in the food and beverage industry. We, we kind of started this uh, podcast kind of thing during quarantine. We wanted to see how we can like just you know, yeah. see how far it can go. But like my actual day job is hospitality and yeah. and uh, food and beverage. It's, it's, it's I love it. Wild. It's great. Yeah, because we love it. Yeah, we love it. Like when we always travel, we love restaurants. We love checking out bars, like speakeasies, anything, and try things on the menu, compare it everywhere, and see how we can maybe incorporate this kind of stuff at home. So I've always had a huge appreciation for all that stuff, and just love it. Yeah. Where's the best city for like foods and, and bars and pubs? Uh, hmm. I love Tokyo. I thought Tokyo was awesome. Crazy, but I loved it. Um, Paris for like pastries and stuff. Uh, actual food. I mean, New York City, I think is incredible. Hmm. It has everything you want. Uh, it's comfortable for us. I love London too, but... New York City, especially knowing a lot of people are up there and kind of give me restaurants that I wouldn't see on lists and, and get that kind of insight is awesome. So I definitely say, I think I say New York. Yeah. Not, not, not DC. DC is slowly, but um, we're, we're just hoping for the best for DC. Hopefully it keeps growing. Yeah. It gets better and better. Uh, well, thanks. I appreciate you taking the time hopping on with us. Yeah, yeah you got it, man. No problem. All the best yeah. in 2021. All right, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. See you. See ya.